Hello and good Friday morning to you, Top Fan Rivalry followers. It's Bill from Top Fan Rivalry. It's been a heck of a week. We're at the end of the week, and I brought in one of the best, right? So we're coming up on the last, this is actually the last Friday of April. So I got to bring in the best. I brought a heavy hitter in. I brought in the Top Fan Stats guy, the man, the myth, the absolute legend, Jackson. And so Jackson's here with me. Normally we do a weekly review together. He's here to talk some stats. So Jackson, how are you doing for Friday morning? I'm good. How are you? Yeah. Awesome. I'm doing great. I listen, I'm into the end of the week, end of the month. What more can we ask for? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As our friend Kramer would say, giddy up. Right. <laughs> so Jackson, I got a number of questions to ask you because you're a stats guy and you I listen. For those of you listening to this, it's Friday. For those of you listening to this, you're driving to work or whatever. Jackson is the man when it comes. To, he'll pull out a stat. And he'll say, on a Wednesday with the breeze less than 10 miles an hour in 1948, this per like it's amazing. So, Jackson, let's start with some of the stats that, that are surprising. Are there any stats that have increased or decreased so far in this season that are surprising to you? And tell me why. Uh. Just off the top of my head, I mean, steals are up. You see some teams are running like crazy. Uh, Pittsburgh as a team has 34 steals. It's great. They're 34 for 39. So at the top end of the spectrum, you see that the athletic teams are taking advantage of, you know, maybe poor catching play. Because we've seen for the last, you know, five, ten years, a lot of the guys behind the plate are behind there for their framing prowess. You know, that was the analytic everyone fell in love with. Uh, especially when I was growing up, I remember the Angels had Jeff Mathis behind the plate. The dude couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. But, you know, he was always lauded for how he handled the pitching staff and how well he framed the baseball. But I think the the new pickoff rules have definitely pushed the game back into where it's you're incentivized to run on catchers who can't throw people out and on pitchers who do not know how to can hold runners on, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the steals are crazy. And with pitch clock, with the only two throwovers, all this crazy garbage. Um, I, Yes, yes, I totally agree with you. I mean, aren't we on pace for like 2,000 steals or some ridiculous thing this season? I mean, there's already 500 stolen bases. 519. So... That's a lot <laughs> through the first 25 so, games for every team. Yeah. So if we have five more months in the season, we're going to break 2,500 stolen bases. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I don't know if you watched any of the Braves highlights last night. They scored two runs off two hit and runs. They brought the hit and run back. I think it's definitely accounting for more action, which is the league wanted to do. And again, I, it, it punishes having – a catcher that his only job is there, you know, to hold the ball and make it look like a strike. It forces you to have a good catcher behind there who knows how to feel this position. And I know you're not a big fan of the, the throwover rule. I think there is a way to control the run game and you'll see certain pitchers don't get stolen on quite as much. You know, I think mixing up your, your pitch clock rhythm is kind of the key, but um, you know, 
I think give it another month, that number might be a little bit lower because guys start to, you know, the average will average back out the pitch. People figure out the pitch clock more and runners won't be able to get as good of a jump. But I think it's going to separate, you know, the baseball players from the throwers and the catchers. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. It's, you know, and it's sad because it exploits weaknesses of pitchers who weren't good guys to hold on runners. So take a John Lester. John Lester, I think, threw over to first base, what, twice in his entire career. Like, people would be running on him like crazy. Noah Zinnergaard is terrible, 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 terrible when it comes to holding on runners. And people run on him like nuts, like mad, because of these new rules. So it, do you like it? Do you not like it? Do you think it's a little bit too intrusive? What do you think? I th- I think it's there's there's an art to holding the runner on because if you think about it back in the day the guys that did hold runners on very well didn't throw over very often either so again it's that balance of mixing up your rhythm if you're too focused on you know the pitch clock because you think you need every second and you're throwing as the pitch clock expires every single time you know base coaches and runners are you know they're not unless they're completely just like off in La La Land, they're paying attention to that kind of stuff, trying to get a read. So I think it's just the matter of, you know, knowing the situation, knowing what guy's on on first base. And you pay attention to him not by, you know, rowing over 57 times in a row like you used to, but now by, you know, mixing up your pitch sequencing and mixing up, you know, how fast you are to the plate, you know, using the slide step a little bit more maybe instead of a leg kick. So – so do you want to brag about anybody that's leading the majors in stolen bases by chance? I mean, Ronald Acuna has 13 stolen bases. Uh, the, the man's a menace on the base pass. Uh, every game I've been to this year, he swung at the first pitch of the game. So <laughs> Even the game that and, we were at. Yeah, he's he likes to swing at the first pitch. He likes to get on base and he likes to run. I mean, it helps that he has a 449 on base percentage, but he is 13 for 15 stealing or something like that. And he's one of those guys, you know, pitchers. It's weird. You think, you know, in the old days, pitchers would just throw over 100 times until he was bored, and, you know, wouldn't attempt to steal. I think that was bad for the game. But now it adds that dimension where the cat the cat and mouse game is, you know, guessing on what, what pitch the, the, the stolen base threats are going to go on. And right. it, it makes it more entertaining. It makes every Ronald Acuna at bat must watch because if he, you know, he might <laughs> he might crank a 500-foot home run or he might lace a single up the middle and then, you know, steal second and then steal third like he did the other night against the Astros. I think it was on Saturday. Maybe, maybe it was Sunday night. He stole second and stole third in the first inning. So uh... it, 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 I was getting – I'm not going to – let me prephrase this. He is not the base stealer Ricky Henderson is, but it gave me kind of a Ricky Henderson vibe, you know, steal second, steal third. It definitely puts the, it makes base running an art again, instead of just standing there waiting for the guy behind you to hit a home run. So, okay. So we talked about base stealing. What other stats have you seen or what other things do you see that is abnormal this season? I think, home runs are back up a little bit compared to last year at this time. The ball definitely feels a little bit more alive. We're not, you know, last year, with, I might be, it could be weather, it could be MLB changing the baseball if you're 
I'm only halfway bought into that conspiracy. I have no idea what they do to those baseballs, but um, you know, the, the, the home runs are definitely back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, but it's, like I said, it's nice that the stolen base is back because there's a lot of teams that aren't over reliant on the home, on the home run ball. I mean, Tampa Bay has 48 of them. Tampa Bay has been absolutely clobbering the ball. You know, the Dodgers have 45, Atlanta has 40, but you see some middle of the pack teams. You know, that sit around the league average, like Philadelphia only has 28 home runs, but, you know, they scored over 100 runs. They scored over the league average for runs. You know, teams like Pittsburgh, you know, they're right at league average for home runs, but they scored a lot of runs because they steal a lot of bases. I think the ball being more alive has kind of incentivized guys to stop swinging from the fences every single time because you could use the hit and run. You know, you could steal second base and it's like, oh, now I don't need to hit a home run to score the guy from first. I just need a you know, punch it through the infield right. and the guy can score from second because he's fast. And I think we'll see, you know, kind of a shift. Baseball kind of goes through these cycles. You see when the stolen base rate goes up, you know, we, we see a rise in batting average. The homers kind of dip because teams try to go more athletic to combat stealing yeah. and to prevent base runners. You'll see a lot better defense over the next couple of years. You'll see guys that come up that are more defensive minded rather than, you know, the big boppers we've been seeing. Right. So speaking of that, um, who leads all of MLB with home runs? It, it's Max Muncie because, you know, somebody somebody uh, let him play the Giants uh, two series already this year. <laughs> and that guy absolutely shreds the Giants for some reason. <laughs> yes, he does, doesn't he? He just goes after those boys. You got to love it. You got to love it. Yeah, he's got to love it. got to love it. I mean, and like looking at the home run leader list, you know, you got Muncie, you got Pete Alonzo. Rafael Devers, Patrick Wisdom's an interesting one for the Cubs. Right, Cubs have been a lot better than expected. Uh, Rowdy Telez is an interesting name on there. Ozzy Albies, you know, he always starts out hot, so seven's not really a surprise. But you know, guys got got you got guys Hunter Renfro, James Outman, Joey Gallo bouncing back. How about Jared? How about Jared Kelnick, who everyone thought you know his career was dead after he didn't perform after being the top prospect, the top piece in that Edwin Diaz trade to Seattle. You know, he's got seven home runs this year, and he's been Seattle's best hitter. Yeah. Weird. You know. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, those those numbers are just like, yeah. Super nuts. Super nuts. Um so tell me about pitching. Let's go to pitching. Is there anything that surprises you pitching wise this season so far? Uh, feel like there's a lot of walks. Truth be told, I think the pitch clock has contributed. Let's see, the league average is 84 walks per team in 25 games, so it's not like a crazy amount. But I feel like you know Oakland had a terrible game the other week where they walked like 17 batters. But I just feel like walks are up again. I think it's a shift in hitters' approach. You know, these guys aren't you know, swinging out of their shoes. So they're laying off a couple more breaking balls as a, you know, as a collective whole, the MLB. And it's kind of, I feel like the walk rate has spiked a little bit. And the strikeout rate has gone down slightly, not by a lot. Guys still strike out, but, you know, I feel like the walk rate has gone up because, you know, base runners are so valuable in today's game with an emphasis on speed and power. 
and you know early on the teams that have been able to you know do it do it better you know make the most of their base runners have have, have really shown uh for example you know teams like Tampa Bay their home runs are capitalizing on on the amount of base runners they've been getting which is fantastic for them whereas the team I'll even throw the Braves in the I've seen like the Braves the Dodgers you know, a lot of times, you know, you get the bases loaded one out, you can't get those guys home. Yeah. You know, it, and th- those are the games that kill you the most. Uh, going back to the Braves over the weekend against Houston, they were leading in two of those games. And a lot of blame will be put on the bullpen for, you know, kind of getting smacked around by Jordan Alvarez. I forgive that a little bit more because the Braves had plenty of opportunities with runners in scoring position and didn't, and didn't cash in. So... I, I think despite, you know, walks being abnormally high, I think teams are are learning how to better use their defensive positioning and knowing which hitters to go after with the, the change approach. It's been really interesting to see. The, the walks have been interesting. What's interesting to me is the correlation between walks and batting averages. So one Soto has the most walks in the MLB at 22. But what's his batting average? Like 176. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, Max Muncy's batting 254. The only people that are really kind of pairing it up are guys like Kyle Tucker. Um, and so you – and Kyle Tucker's a special talent too, but he gets – overlooked because he's on a team with like Altuve and Breckman and Jordan Alvarez. But notice, I mean, it's great that Juan Soto is getting on base. But he's not, he's only got one stolen base. He's got 22 walks and 29 strikeouts. It's not awesome. Yeah. Same thing last year with with, uh, Max Muncy. You can walk all you want, but it doesn't matter, right? If you can't get around. Yeah, and I, I think it goes to that athleticism thing. I think you're at an advantage, especially with nobody on base. You know, you don't want to give Juan Soto anything to hit. And since he's not a, you know, a fantastic base runner, I would say, like he's got maybe below average speed and he's he's a decent base runner. But like, I feel like teams are taking more advantage of the fact that having good base runners. Uh, what's his his name? Jin Juan Bay on the Pirates. Right. He's got 10 stolen bases this year. I was, uh, you know, hearing from some Pirates fans that, you know, every time the guy gets on base, he's a threat to score because he picks good pitches to steal on. He picks good times to get in the scoring position. And he's a smart base runner. He knows his limitations. He never overextends. He hasn't been thrown out this year, as far as I know, on any, you know, bonehead mistakes. But I think the pitching staffs that are doing well are the ones that are able to limit the damage by understanding, you know, a walk's just a walk as long as you can prevent the ball, prevent quality contact. And that's been, you know, the advanced saber metrics sort of, you know, I won't call it like gospel, but like their mantra over the last couple of years, it's avoid hard contact. And whether that's, you know, striking them out so they don't make contact or forcing them to beat the ball into the ground. You know, teams that have the good defense can afford to have their pitchers, you know, force a lot of ground balls or a lot of weak contact. And those are the pitching staffs you see that excel the best outside of a few outliers, maybe the St. Louis Cardinals who are an outlier 
all on their own <laughs> to start the yeah, season. They, yes, very much so. So speaking of St. Louis Cardinals, is there any kind of shocks to you in correlation to these stats to how teams are playing? Is there any teams out there that are really like you're looking at it and going, how did they start off so well? Or is this sustainable or how's this play itself out? I mean, the Pittsburgh Pirates putting themselves in the position they have where everyone picked them to lose 100 games this year have been nothing short of fantastic to start the year. They won their 18th game today or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it was. So, you know, with the start they've had, they're 9-1 and in their last 10. Uh, you know, the Cardinals, 9-16, and are a shock. It's their worst 25-game start since 1963 or something stupid like that where they didn't win like any games at all. They were like seven and 18 or something like that. So, and I think, you know, the Dodgers being as slow as they have been out the gate, uh, the Phillies being slow out the gate have been a surprise how hot both Baltimore and Tampa Bay have been. And then how about the Rangers atop the American league West at the moment, you know? Right. Right. You know, I, uh, I agree with you. The Cardinals, it's a little shocking. Um, everybody's on the paternity list for the Dodgers, so I don't really count that. Right? It was apparently baby-making time during the All-Star break. Um, the uh, the ones that surprised me are the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, starting out, you know, already having 20 wins. That's pretty impressive. But the one thing that you and I and everybody talked about is the American League East is the best team or is the best league. Every team in that division is either 500 or better. They all have a plus minus that's positive. And in addition to that, there's no other division in baseball that has everybody that has a plus minus that's positive and everybody that's over 500. So I think there's a correlation to the small ball comparable to the home run and everything like that. If you look at the, the Orioles, they're stealing bases. Cedric Mullins is stealing bases. There's, there's other, they're putting the ball in play and they're making things happen. They're not looking for the to the five run home run to win a game. They're putting the ball in play and making things happen. Yeah, I mean looking at it, Baltimore ranks in the top five in walks. They're third in stolen bases. You know, and that, that just helps score runs. Right. Right. Well and and they I mean they're going to start hitting some teams that are rebuilding like Detroit and a few other teams, you know, coming up here in their schedule, which will allow them to get even more confidence in what they're doing to try to make it happen. Right. Um, if I can remember correctly, I think they start a four game series yesterday with the Tigers um, and then they have the Royals. Then they got you guys, the Braves, which that's a little bit different. But then the Rays, the Pirates and the Angels. So they've got a stretch of about eight games coming up here that are all teams that are redeveloping or underdeveloped or, you know, still trying to look for an identity. Um, And the Angels, right? Again, every year, Trout, Otani, Trout, Otani. What's going to happen with these guys? Ah, Who knows? I I mean, you asked for surprises. It it doesn't surprise me that the Angels bullpen leads the league in blown saves with seven already. Uh, it surprises me that seven already, because how do you blow seven saves in 25 games? Um, but, you know, the Angels have come out of the gate 
And luckily for them, Houston didn't get off to the best of start, but Houston started in their first 14 games, six and eight, like each of the last four years, they've been six and eight after 14 games or something like that. Right. You know, as Houston gets healthy, as you know, Jordan Alvarez starts to hit his stride, as they start to get guys like Michael Brantley back, when they get Jose Altuve back, it's like, you know, Jose Altuve's, you know, not a player to, you know, the, the scoff at. He's at his best. He's an MVP candidate. So it'll be really interesting to see these teams that have kind of had mediocre starts, the Angels, the Mariners, uh, the Guardians, and even the Yankees to an extent. How, how are the Yankees, you know, only 14 and 11? Yep. yep. You know, they haven't really played anyone in their division yet except yep. Toronto. Yep. So it's going to be really critical because, you know, moving forward, every game in the division is going to be, that division is going to be a fight. And injuries pile up. There's been a lot of early season in- injuries. And, you know, the teams that have the most depth seem to handle it the best. Well, like in the Angels experience, by the way, I'm looking at their schedule. Again, they started with Oakland, Right. And then they they started with Oakland, and they took two out of three in Oakland. Then they came back, uh, or then they went to Seattle, took two out of three from Seattle. Then they hit a two out of three losing streak, or lost two out of three to the, the Blue Jays. They won two out of three from the Nationals, which you should do. They lost three out of four to the Red Sox. They lost two out of three to the Yankees. They lost two out of three with the Royals, and they lost two out of three to the Angels, or to the A's, right? And so those are teams you got to beat. Just, I mean, yeah. All right, so wrapping this thing up, Jackson, because we could do this all day. We can go through stat after stat after stat. But wrapping this up, tell tell me one or two things that have just gotten kind of your goat, um, where you look at it and say, well, that's gonna that's gonna play in the long run. That's gonna hurt the club or that's gonna help the club. And this specific stat is what whatever it might be, what what has stood out to you the most in this whole this whole dynamic? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Say the best one for last. Yeah. I'll be here till Wednesday, tip the waitress, everybody. <laughs> I, th- I think it's interesting if you just go to the league leaders. Uh, generally, you know, the guys that are having the most success are the ones that are putting the ball in play. And, you know, I know I've been beating that into the ground on this podcast alone, but, you know, when you put the ball in play, good things happen. You don't have to make fantastic contact every time you make contact, but you just have to avoid bad contact. <laughs> so I think as the season wears on, uh, and as pitchers adjust to the pitch clock maybe a little bit more and are able to control the running game and maybe, you know, are able to better condition themselves to strike more batters out, it's going to be important because in the playoffs, it's always about the teams who can put the ball in play when they need to. Bingo. Put the ball in play when they need to. So I, I keep an eye on that. Uh, Luis Arias from Miami's also hitting like 450 to start the year. So. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. So that's something that jumps off the page to me because when's the last time we had someone even sniff four hundred? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and and again, a lot of this, 
it, to me, it's real simple. You play the game the way that it was intended on being played. You don't hit the four run, the five run home run. You don't swing for the fences. You got to put the ball in play. You got to leg some things out. You do have to hit the long ball every now and again, but you have to have be able to do the small things really, really good. And the teams that are struggling and the teams that are going to make the playoffs um, are going to struggle down the stretch and make it harder on themselves if they can't defend against a bunt, if they can't lay down a bunt, if they walk too many batters, if they don't take enough walks, right? I was screaming at my screen the other day because I was watching a team, and I won't mention which team it was, but I was watching a team, batter comes up, and he walks on five pitches, okay? But of the five, four of them were balls. Ball, strike, then three balls in a row. The next batter comes up and walks on four straight pitches. So now seven out of eight pitches have been balls. The next batter comes up, he swings at a first pitch and grounds into a double play. Swings at ball one, by the way. So I get that you need to be aggressive at the plate, but how aggressive do you really need to be? Like, hold back just a bit, right? Just hold off just a bit. Yeah, well, the, the, the name of the game with baseball is capitalizing on the other team's mistakes, whether it's the pitcher not locating his pitch, or the defense maybe playing Bingo. two steps off from where they're supposed to be, or, you know, executing a bunt. You know, that's kind of a lost art, but I think we see, we'll see as the season goes on and teams realize that athleticism is the key to, you know, getting runs across the board. We'll see teams maybe employ the bunt a bit more with the bottom yeah. of their lineups, and <laughs> that's going to be madness because... It feels like nobody's really fielded a bunt at the major league level in years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I've watched the Dodgers those two games on not being able to field bunts this year so far. They're 13 and 13 going into today, right? Going into Friday. And they should be, technically, they should be 15 and 11. But what can you do, right? So, well, top fan rivalry followers, Jackson is always going to be our stats guy. He's always going to be the guy that's going to be able to pull stuff out. And hit him up on on Instagram as top fan stats guy. Also, he and Thomas do a show called Chop House Chatter. Jackson, do you want to tell us a little bit about that and where they can find it, both in the locker room and elsewhere? So, yeah, Chop House Chatter, uh, my friend Thomas and I, we... We talk Bryce baseball every week. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been a little radio silent between life happening. I was on a trip, and then Tom, Thomas just got married, so congratulations to him. Uh, but, yeah, so, you know, for the rest of the foreseeable future, we will be trying to pump out several videos a week. One will always be in the – and here on Top Fan. Uh, we try to get one episode out here, at least one episode once a week. Uh, and then – we do lots of other fun stuff during the week. We talk race baseball. We recently had a chat with uh, Michael Kamansky, who's the the Braves organist, and uh, so you'll go check it out. Uh, he's a fun guy. It, he's the guy that posts the playlist of what he's going to play for each opposing batter on Twitter. If you've ever seen that, so just give us a follow. We're on YouTube. We're on Instagram. Uh, Thomas is also at seven fifty five Chop Talk. He posts daily about the Braves. So if you're a big Braves fan, come check us out. If you hate the Braves, come check us out because we'll be talking about all you need to know about your rivals. So <laughs> there you go. 
There you go. Well, I appreciate that, Jackson, so much. And uh, I appreciate you being on. I, I love talking stats. I love getting inside of your mind when it comes to understanding more about the game. Uh, granted, we're not the guys listening it up. We're not the guys on the field, but we still have opinions too, right? So, all right, Top Fan Rivalry followers, make sure that you uh, hit up topfanrivalry.com. And check out the watch parties. We'd love to see you wherever you're at. Wherever we're going to be, we'd love to see you. So um, look forward to having you on again. And hope you guys have a fantastic weekend and a safe travel to work today. Talk to you soon.